Now, everyone in the world at one time or another hits a rough patch. Um, bumps in the road. Those times when everything around us seems to uh, fall apart and we have no idea uh, which way is up. For some, maybe a diagnosis that rocks your world to its foundations. You cry and you wonder, well, why do these things happen? What's, what's going on? For others, these times are watching your children make choices that you wouldn't make for them, but all the while knowing it's not your choice to make. For some, it may be the loss of a job that you've held for 20 or more years. For others, it's a rocky patch in a marriage. You sit alone at night wondering why the fights have to be so bad. For others, it's the death of a loved one. Having to take those last precious steps with a person you've known for what seems like an eternity. We find ourselves floundering, feeling like we're being hit from every side. Honestly, we, we probably feel like Dorothy did in The Wizard of Oz as she's in the middle of the house and you're going up in the thing and you look outside and your house is in the middle of a tornado and the cow flies by and the woman flies by on her bicycle and turns into a witch and all those things. Sometimes our lives are filled with storms. You know, Matt had no idea last week that the series I was about to start was about storms, but his sermon last week serves as a good introduction to the storms in our lives. We're going to start a, a short series on storms this week. You know, there are many storms written about in the Bible. Many, many storms. And there is so much in those stories that aren't just a little bit of wind and rain. You know, we, we look at the storms and we go, oh, but, but what are those storms? And, and why are those storms there? Each of these stories about a storm tells us some truth about the times in our lives that seem stormy. And the first question most of us ask when we see a storm coming or we see someone going through a storm or we go through a storm ourselves is why does God allow storms anyway? Why do they happen? And, and when we ask those questions, we find ourselves uh, asking why do we have to go through rough patches? Why do things have to be hard? And in those discussions, you find people from all sorts of belief backgrounds. And I believe that every belief background all has the same question. It's why. And we try to answer that why in different ways. Atheists will use storms to show that God doesn't exist, right? Well, if God existed, He would let that happen. If God existed, if He was truly a loving God, those things wouldn't happen. If He truly loved you and He was truly good, then bad things would never happen. You wouldn't have to go through bad things because you don't want bad things to happen to your kids, so therefore, God must not exist. He must be a fairy tale of heaven. Some believers, you have different shades of believers. Some believers will say that God creates every storm. I don't know if the Bible talks about that or not. Some believers will say that God simply allows a storm. Some people are combination believers, and they'll say God allows storms, God creates storms, God does all of the above because God is God. That's kind of where I fall. Um, the point is that no matter your belief system, we all have those same questions when storms occur. We all have those same questions when tough times happen. And the truth is, storms occur or are used by God for many different reasons depending on where the individual is. One of the best examples of the uses of storms by God is found in the book of Jonah. And Jonah is a well-known passage by those who attend church. You know, we, we know Jonah. We know who Jonah is. And so turn with me this morning, if you have your Bible, to Jonah chapter 1. And we are going to read the first chapter in its entirety. And it says there, the word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai. Get up! Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it, because their wickedness has confronted me. 
However, Jonah got up to flee to Tarshish from the Lord's presence. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. He paid the fare and went down into, the, into, into it to go with them to Tarshish from the Lord's presence. Then the Lord hurled a violent wind on the sea. And such a violent storm arose on the sea that the ship threatened to break apart. And the sailors were afraid and each cried out to his God. They threw the ship's cargo into the sea to lighten the load. And meanwhile, Jonah had gone down to the lowest part of the vessel and had stretched out and fallen into a deep sleep. The captain approached him and said, What are you doing sound asleep? Get up! Call to your God. Maybe this God will consider us and we won't perish. Come on, the sailors said to each other. Let's cast lots. We'll know who's to blame for this trouble we're in. So they cast lots and the lot singled out Jonah. Then they said to him, Tell us who is to blame for this trouble we're in. What is your business and where are you from? What is your country and what people are you from? And he answered them, I'm a Hebrew. I worship Yahweh, the God of the heavens, who made the sea and the dry land. Then the men were even more afraid and said to him, What is this you've done? The men knew he was fleeing from the Lord's presence because he had told them. So they said to him, What shall we do to you to calm this sea that's against us? For the sea was getting worse and worse. And he answered them, Pick me up and throw me into the sea. So it may quiet down for you. For I know that I am to blame for this violent storm that is against you. Nevertheless, the men rode hard to get back to land, but they couldn't because the sea was raging against them more and more. So they called out to the Lord, Please, Yahweh, don't let us perish because of this man's life, and don't charge us with innocent blood. For you, Yahweh, have done just as you please. Then they picked up Jonah and threw him into the sea. And the sea stopped its raging. The men feared the Lord even more, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows. Now the Lord had appointed a huge fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was in the fish three days and three nights. Let's pray. Father God, we come to you right now and we thank you and we praise you for your blessings. Father, we ask right now that you would take this time and use it for your glory. Father, use me as a vessel with the words that I speak to yours and yours alone. Father, we thank you and we praise you. We ask all these things in your Son, Jesus, and for his sake. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. God tells Jonah to go to Nineveh and preach destruction. That's not an easy thing to do. Nineveh was some nasty people. Nineveh, I mean, they were bad. You know, this was this was they would they would they would cart you off on fish hooks. That's how they put a big hook. They put you on their back and take you home. They were some of the meanest, most vile people the world has ever known. And God has said to Jonah, "Go to Nineveh, walk through that city that takes days to walk through, and say, God's going to destroy you." Get ready. I, I understand where Jonah's coming from when Jonah says, no thank you, God. No. So Jonah says, no, 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 no. I, I, no, no, God. And so he runs to Tarshish. Now, this is basically the same as him starting out here in, in, in my pan, Texas. And God says, go to Maine. And he says, I'm going to San Diego. I'm going the opposite direction as far as I can go to get away so that I know that I might be safe like he could actually run from God. But that's what he's doing. And they get out there a ways. And while Jonah's asleep, a huge storm comes upon the boat. And the crew's throwing everything overboard trying to lie below. They're just throwing everything. They're crying out to their gods trying to find some way to stop this boat from sinking. And the captain looks up and he's like, dude, where's the Hebrew at? Where is this guy at? He came, he paid to ride in the boat, and he's not up here. What is he doing? He goes and finds him asleep, and he says, Hey, call on your God so that maybe he will listen, and he will save us. Now, we aren't told that Jonah does that. Did 
Did you notice that? It doesn't say just, so Jonah got up and prayed to his God. Jonah just got up. And he kind of went up. It looks like he just kind of went up on, on the deck and just watched. He wasn't going to call out to God. He's running from God. <laughs> Ain't no way I'm calling on God right now. No. No, because I know what's going to happen if I do. I know what's going to happen if I do. I know what's going to happen if I call upon God. He's going to make me go new. So the crew decides they have to cast lots. And they cast lots. And of course it picks Jonah. And they say now, what do we have to do to appease God? What do we have to do to appease God? Because this, this boat's going to sink. Now, for most people, that answer would be pretty simple, right? Turn the boat around. I'm supposed to go to Nineveh. Take me to Nineveh. Jonah does the same thing. Jonah says, throw me in. Jonah says, I would rather die than go where God wants me to go. Just throw me in. If you throw me in, God will take care of the rest. If you throw me in, you'll be good. But they don't want to. We're rowing hard. We're, we're rowing. We're going to get back to shore on our own. We're not going to do this. But they can't. So then they throw him overboard. And water gets calm and the fish shows up. Now there are two types of people in this story. And God uses the story to do three different things in the types of people's lives. First is the unbeliever, the sailors, the people who were there. They were worshiping other gods. Little G, other gods. They were on this ship to make their living. They were probably rough people. Sailors typically are, right? They were rough people. They, they were people that weren't always... Sailors and roughnecks, right? I mean, when you live away from your family most of the time, you're a different breed of person, right? That's what happens. And so sailors, they're rough people. And they're out there making their living. They didn't have much time for a God who demanded so much. They didn't have that that time. They were living their normal lives. Yet they found themselves in the midst of this storm that the Bible tells us is God's creation. What was God's purpose for the unbeliever in this storm? Notice what they did. They called them their gods. They called on them, but they got no answer. The line was busy. They got voicemail. I don't know, but they did not get their gods to answer. They tried the things they put their faith in and found them lacking. When their gods didn't answer, they became desperate, so they began to throw the cargo overboard. Now, this was unheard of. You're throwing the cargo overboard. In biblical times, sailors only got paid if they delivered the cargo. You didn't get paid just because you were on the ship. You got paid if you made it there. You got paid if you did what you were supposed to do. So now they're throwing over the cargo. They've thrown over. There's no reason for a storm to throw your cargo over. That's how you make your living. They've thrown it over. Now they're on a boat, on a voyage that would make them nothing. They were going to pull into a dock without any profit. It was probably going to damage their reputation. Nobody else is going to hire this ship. Because the cargo is somewhere back there in the sea because y'all threw it overboard instead of protecting it because you were worried about your own lives. The only thing they have left is their life. And it's not going to last much longer. And notice what they did. They call on God as they throw Jonah overboard. Now they fear the Lord even more and make sacrifices to Him. In the life of an unbeliever, God uses storms to bring them to a knowledge of Him. These sailors may have never even heard of God if not for this storm. They had their own gods. And their own gods were fine with them. Because you know what? I can get my sacrifice here. I can get my sacrifice there. And by chance things would happen and things look good. We're fine. 
Sometimes God will either cause or use a storm in the life of an unbeliever to bring them to a realization that they need Him. I need you, God. I don't know how often we've seen these things. And, you know, I, I like wrestling. I can't help it. I'm from Texas. Sting. You know who Sting is? Back in the day? Steve Borden. I love his story. If you ever, if you ever get to see it, you've got to watch TBN to do this. But if you ever get to see his story, it's amazing. Because there he is, steeped in this business of wrestling. And it's not a pretty business when you get into the, into the root of it. And he's in a hotel room one night, going through all of this battle of addiction, battling all these other things, battling the stresses of life. There is a storm. It's the perfect storm that is occurring in there in his life. And he picks up a Gideon's Bible, and his life is changed. He finds Jesus, and things are different. Sometimes God will use a storm in the life of an unbeliever to bring them a realization they need him. He realized all of a sudden he needed God. Just like the sailors, God may get them to a point of desperation where they acknowledge that He is their only hope. I can't do it on my own. I can't do this and nothing I've tried is working. So I might as well try this one. So often God does that. But this is the only way really that God can use storms in the life of an unbeliever because the other ways can only be recognized by someone who already knows it. Because He doesn't use a storm to do things for people that like He does for believers. Now we come to Jonah. The book is about him after all, right? Jonah. Jonah knew God. He would be a believer. He was a prophet by profession. His job was literally to hear from God and pass that information along. That was it. That was his job. Yet he chose the path opposite of the one God had for him. So God sends a storm to do two things in the life of Jonah. The first thing he does in the life of a believer, sometimes God uses a storm to discipline us or build us up. It's so easy to get caught up in the everyday workings of life that we lose sight of what it is that God has for us. It's so easy to find ourselves stumbling around in, in the dark because we forgot to turn the light on in the morning. You know, I don't mean that, that God uses storms to punish someone because punishment is simply about paying someone back for a wrongdoing. That, that's what punishment is. God's not trying to punish people here. I'm talking about discipline. God uses storms to correct a behavior in our lives. God, God uses storms to, to stop us and, and, and make us look. I'm, I'm reading a book right now by a, a guy who's not Baptist. Um, I don't even know what the guy's name is. Uh, I forgot his name. But the book is called How to How to Read the Bible Like a King's Kid. And he talks about brooding. He talks about how God is working through everything. And we have to understand how he's working. And so God begins to work. And God disciplines us. Notice what, notice what God forced Jonah to do because of the story. Jonah was forced to verbally tell who God was and about his wrongdoing to the sailors. Jonah had to confess his sins before God and strangers and declare who God is in front of these sailors because of the storm. If there wouldn't have been a storm, Jonah would have slept in the bottom of the ship the entire way across until he got the torches and then he would have went on running. But this storm forced him, when the captain came down, 
just trying to, to, to get Jonah to be, oh my gosh, I can't do this. He could have done it in other ways. No, what he did was he got him up there and Jonah's still not calling out to God. He's still sitting there on the deck just kind of going, do I see Rochelle over here hiding behind the tree? We put her behind Kent for some reason. I don't know why. But you know, Jonah's all hiding somewhere probably up there on the deck going, looking around, looking to see. And the fire say, well, this isn't working. Let's cast lots. Let's cast lots and see whose problem this is. Let's find out what's going on. And they cast lots and it falls to Jonah and they say, okay, who are you and what have you done to cause this? And Jonah has to say, we see part of his words, but he has more words because it says they knew he was fleeing. So he had to say, my name is Jonah. I'm a Hebrew. I serve Yahweh, the Lord, the creator of the land and the sea of heavens and earth, the greatest God this world has ever known will ever know. That's who I serve. He asked me to go to Nineveh. Yeah, and I said no, and I'm running. He was forced to acknowledge God, to testify about God, and to confess his sins all because of this storm. And by forcing him to verbally admit that he was running from God to a group that might well tear him apart because of it. These are sailors. They've just thrown their prophet overboard because some selfish Hebrew man was sleeping down below and wouldn't call upon his God to save him. But by doing that, God was actually building Jonah up. <laughs> because that's what he's supposed to do to Nineveh. He's supposed to go to Nineveh and say, I am Jonah. I am a Hebrew. I serve Yahweh, the creator of heaven and earth, the greatest God this world will ever know. And God says, your sin has filled his nostrils and you are an abomination and in 40 days you're going away to the people who were hard. I mean, that's what God's doing. He is building up Jonah. He was preparing him for this ultimate goal. You know, God will discipline and build up believers through storms. It's the storms of life where we find our strength. James 1, 2 and 4 says, Consider it great joy, my brothers, whenever you experience trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance, but endurance must do its complete work so that you may be mature and complete, lacking in nothing. So watching a preacher this morning, and he talked about how tears have a way of relieving pressure on our brain so we can think. <laughs> it's through the hard times, it's through the sadness, it's through the bitterness that we begin to see, we begin to understand, we begin to move, we begin to let God discipline us and move us. When trials come upon us, there's always a purpose. God will always use them for His purpose. Now I know when James wrote those words, people probably went, What? Consider it joy when you go through bad things? Are you off your rocker? Are you out of your mind? Did your cheese slide off your cracker? What's going on with that? But James meant it. He said, consider it joy. Consider it joy. Because we know that God is working through that because trials produces a testing of your faith which gives you endurance, which makes you mature. Complete, lacking in nothing. And we may not see it right away. That's, that's the problem we have, right? 
when we're going through storms, we don't like the storms. And we don't want to know about them. We, we want to know why. And so we cry out, God, why? Why? There have been many times in my life where we've cried out to God and said, why? And it wasn't until years later we could figure it out. In the first year of our marriage, I know you'll probably before I'm going to tell it again. In the first year of our marriage, we got pregnant. We were so excited. Everybody was excited. We lived, we lived in the ghetto. We did. It was the Pepper Tree Apartments on Las Vegas Trail in Fort Worth. There was a security key. There was a security key that was broken because a car had run through it. And it was a police rest area. They rested there for a reason. We lived in a one-bedroom, all-bills paid apartment, and that thing cost us $500 a month. That tells you where we lived there. I, I remember the people downstairs who had their parties every night. And I remember the lady out back who was off of her mind high on heroin that I had to go out there because she was screaming out her, her baby. And Carrie almost lost her mind because Carrie is not from the ghetto. I may be. Carrie had never been there until she met me. And so we were there and we got pregnant and we were so excited. Everything was going great. My mama bought, we turned our dining room into a nursery. We bought everything. And then there was something wrong. There was something wrong. And we ended up at the hospital and went through an ultrasound. Or after the ultrasound, she released the baby. And it was over. As I tell this story, I get from problems. There's somebody in the room who walked with us through it. So, um, but we didn't know why. We couldn't understand how God would even use this. So we quit trying. And then, six years later, seven years later, we're pregnant again. And we're excited. We, we said we weren't going to tell anybody. <laughs> I don't keep anything a secret. So I told so people would pray. And the same thing happened. And we would cry out and we would say, why God, what, if, what is this? What is the use in this? And then we said, we're not even going to have babies anymore. We're done with that. We're going to go and we're going to adopt. And so we started working with CPS to adopt. And we tried. And we went to the first meeting, the second meeting. And then we get this phone call that says, there were budget cuts this year. And so now we're only working with family members of children. We cannot help you. And then the mom died. That same year. And then we left the church. And we ended up in a church where we got the prophecy from. <laughs> and then we were pregnant again. And of course, I'm nervous. 
But I'm okay with that. I would carry all the way to nervousness and fear so that Carrie didn't have to worry about it. Y'all saw me go through this before. <laughs> Y'all seen that in me. Y'all didn't know about the first time. The first time was even harder. And so we're pregnant with Shiloh. And then right after, right after, we first hear it's heartbeat. I'm in through a new pastor at the church. And the pastor's a good friend of mine. And his wife goes in. And there's no heartbeat. And I'm in there at that church in that moment. And we know the reason now. We see how God is using it because I was able to fill the pulpit while they healed. I was able to give direction because I was leaving. And Easter Sunday was coming up. And the pastor was in there trying to get something together for Easter Sunday and he didn't know what he was going to do when I pulled the chairman of the deacons aside and I said, do not let him preach on Easter Sunday morning. And they said, what? I said, no, he preach on Easter Sunday. I said, he needs to heal. He needs time with his family to heal. And he came up to me the day I was leaving. And he was like, man, I, I, I don't know. They were not going to preach Easter. He said, I've never, I've never felt that way before. And I was like, that's good. You need to take that day off. When my daddy died, I preached that Sunday. When my mama died, I preached that Sunday. When we lost babies, I didn't go to church on Sunday. I healed. And God used that storm to prepare us. He used that storm to strengthen us. He used that storm so that we could know what God was doing. Through, through trials, we may not see the purpose right away, but we will grow and be prepared. The text actually says that you'll be lacking nothing. But God also uses storms in the life of a believer to correct our course. <laughs> my, my favorite line probably in the entire, the entire chapter is the last verse. Now the Lord had appointed a huge fish to swallow Jonah. The fish was already appointed. The fish was already there. It, it wasn't, it, you know, Jonah was not off in that moment. That fish was following that boat. <laughs> God had already decided, I'm correcting your course, Jonah. You don't know it yet, because we don't know how far away he was at that point. We know they were in the middle of the sea. They weren't close enough to shore to get back early, so they were in the middle of the sea. And he gets thrown in, and God has a fish there, and that fish from the middle of the sea takes that boy all the way back across the sea to where he's supposed to be at. God will use a storm to correct our course. He will take us and put us where we need to be. There are times where we find ourselves going through something and the only purpose in that storm is for God to say, you need to be going this way. You don't need to go that way. You've been driving to a place and you look up ahead and all you see is this great big dark black storm and you're going, I don't want to drive through that. We went through one of those one time. Stupidest thing I've ever done in my life. I thought, oh, it's going to be fine. And then the hail started falling from the sky. And I mean hail, H-A-I-L, but it felt like H-E-L-L. Because, -L, I mean, it was just falling. Big old pieces of hail fell right in the middle of our windshield. Taking off my shirt as I drive, throwing it on top of Carrie, trying to find a bridge to get up. I was saying, you shouldn't have went this way, Troy. There were three ways home. Why didn't you go the other way where it was sunny? So often, 
God will use us to correct our course to put us where He wanted us to be. The fish had one purpose here. To correct Jonah's course. To take him back where God wanted him to be. He just, God could have done it a different way. God could have said, throw him in, and then he could have went, he could have never hit the water. Jonah could have been thrown overboard and God could have transported him. God appointed fish. Take him back. God will use storms to correct our course. Sometimes God uses storms to bring us back to him. Just to be where he wants us to be. How often have you been there? You're not walking the road that God wants you on. You're doing things that God doesn't want you to do. Or maybe you're just neglecting your morning time with God. That's easy to do, right? Hey, do you live in the same world that I do? If you tell me it's not easy to do, you don't live in the same world that I do. This world is it's busy. It's like nothing ever, nothing ever slows down. Nothing. And so we get up and you do the things you do, and sometimes you go, well, I'll get to that in a little while. And you don't get to it. And at the end of the day, you go to bed and you go, huh, I need to remember to do that tomorrow morning. And if you forget the next day, it just becomes easier and easier. And all of a sudden, it's not a part of your life. And then God and then God makes it hard and gives you a storm. And you stop and you go, God, I don't understand. And you read His Word and He goes, well, here's why you're going, oh, yeah, there's my fish. Sometimes God will use a storm for an unbeliever to be shown you need God. Sometimes... He'll use the storm to bring us back to Him. Sometimes He corrects our course through the trials of life. God uses storms in different ways for different people. But every storm will have a purpose that God puts you in. If God allows you to go through a storm, He'll use it for His glory. He'll use it in His purposes. Maybe this morning, you've been in the middle of a storm. Maybe you're like the sailors and you don't know which way is up. You don't know which way to look. The stars aren't out there to guide anymore. And all you know is the wind is coming from every direction and it's about to swamp the boat and I don't know what to do. And I'm willing to do anything to get where I need to be. Have you called out to God? Maybe this morning, God is using a storm in your life. Maybe He is trying to correct your course. Maybe He's trying to bring you in under discipline and build you up and prepare you for something that you can't even see coming. Maybe. Maybe you see the storm brewing. That's always the hard part, right? When you know the storm's coming. You, you see it back up. You just see it there. And you do everything you can to head it off, but you know it's going to come anyway. Now's the time to say, okay, God, whatever your purpose is, just show me. I'll follow. I'll do it. Maybe this morning you want to pray. The altar's open. I'll pray with you. Maybe you want to serve the missions or ministry. Maybe you want to join this church in membership. Maybe this morning... Maybe you've got a storm that you want to just say, God, show me the way through. Lead me in this. Now's the time I'll pray with you about it. But maybe this morning you've never known Jesus. 
Maybe you're going through a storm and you've never taken a step to know Jesus and God is using that storm to say to you, it's time. It's time. You need me. You can't do it on your own. Now's the moment. Don't let another moment pass by. Because you never know when the storm's going to be too rough. But whatever your need this morning, wherever you're at, give it to Him. Would you pray for me? Father God, we come to you right now and we thank you. We praise you for your blessing.